From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 512, Internet Explorer Enterprise Mode, with guest Fred Pullen. Recorded Tuesday, November 29th, 2016. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brendan. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Fred Pullen, who's the Director of Product Marketing for Microsoft Edge, although he claims he's actually an IT pro. How do you come to find yourself at Microsoft, sir? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I started in 1990 as a computer consultant. Of course, I was a hobbyist for years before that. And after about 14, 15 years of doing ERP deployments, I finished my MBA and got a call from Microsoft. Oh, I joined in 2003 as a technical evangelist and as a full-time employee in 2004. Well, and, and I think TEs are one of the best jobs at Microsoft, but you don't really make a lot of things. You just work with a lot of people and help them with their problems. It was a tremendous amount of fun. I, I started life as a customer and partner, and then I my next job at Microsoft was talking to customers and partners. Right. Eventually, I worked my way up to product planning and realized that uh, my the sweet spot for me was marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, being being between the engineers and the customers, I, I talk to the customers so the engineers don't have to. Right. <laughs> Well, and, and you've had your experience in the field that you really do know how folks use the product and what it's like out there in the world. Browsers, I mean, everybody's got one, but they're not my primary concern as an IT guy, except when they cause problems. Well, that's absolutely right. The trick as an IT pro is to make sure your phone doesn't ring off the hook. Yeah. Um, if you do your job really well, no one will notice. Yeah, yeah. You're totally right, which is one of the frustrating parts, right? When I knock it out of the park, I'm invisible. Yeah, exactly. The browser for most people is middleware, yeah. uh, but the fact is most people spend a lot of their day in the browser, whether you're using a, it for a website or a web service or a web application. Browsers are still an important part of our job and an important part of our day. So, you know, helping people, you know, be able to use the browser easier on Windows 10 is a big part of our role. And of course, Windows 10 leads with Edge in every respect. And uh, I'm happy to see the plugins now available in Edge because uh, I'm a LastPass guy and it just was, that was a showstopper for me. So uh, thanks for that. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something we introduced in the Windows 10 anniversary update is mm-hmm. support for extensions. I, I should clarify, we're supporting JavaScript and HTML extensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like other modern browsers, we're moving away from binary extensions. So we're moving away from uh, supporting the, the Java, Silverlight, ActiveX controls that we had in Internet Explorer. Do we have a, a hard explanation for that? I figure it's just, that's just a tack surface that I, I want to get rid of as an IT guy so that they, you know, there's a whole level of exploits that go away when those things won't run. That, that's a big part of it. And, and really, it comes down to the browser story for me is the story of old versus new. Mm-hmm. You know, Internet Explorer shipped over 20 years ago, which yeah. makes us feel really old, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Internet Explorer shipped uh, 20 years ago when there weren't, weren't really web standards that allowed you to use the power of your, of your PC in your web applications. So as a result, uh, Microsoft listens to customers and Microsoft came out with a browser that included uh, things like ActiveX controls, mm-hmm. being able to use ActiveX or Java or Silverlight in your web applications. Just ways to create extensions because there was, 
no other way to do things. I mean, up until HTML5, if you wanted a video to play, you were running some kind of extension. That's absolutely right. And and now with HTML5 and CSS3 and WebGL, you can even do things like 2D and 3D transforms. Yeah. Uh, one of the most recent uh, standards that we support in Microsoft Edge is Dolby Surround Sound. So there's a lot of power that you have now in web standards. But we didn't have that power 20 years ago. So as a result, there are millions and millions of web applications out there, primarily, you know, internal applications that were written over the years to accomplish, you know, very simple line of business tasks. I'll give you an example. Within Microsoft, when we go to log our vacation time, we're using IE5 era application. So there are still lots of these applications out there, primarily running within enterprise customers. That's why architecturally, the easiest thing we decided to do was to keep IE11 consistent across Windows 7, Windows 8.1, and Windows 10, so that if you had applications that used older document modes within Internet Explorer, you could simply use Internet Explorer 11 to access those applications in the right mode. Microsoft Edge is the future of browsing. Sure. You know, All of our new development work is going into Microsoft Edge. Internet Explorer 11 will continue to get security updates and technical support for the life of the operating system on which it's installed. But it, it's pretty clear that we want customers to standardize on Microsoft Edge as a faster, safer browser. Well, I use IE 11 because I have a camera system that depends on an ActiveX control. Yeah, absolutely. I have to switch it in compatibility mode because it's really dependent on like an IE 8 implementation or something horrible like that. But that's the only thing I open it for, for the most part. But I guess that begs the question, is there going to be an IE 12? No IE 12. So Internet Explorer 11 is the last major version of Internet Explorer, and it will be supported for the life of the operating system on which it's installed. So effectively, that means on on Windows 7, we'll support IE 11 with security updates and technical support until 2020. We also support it on Windows 8.1 and on Windows 10. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and it's there. It just doesn't show up by default. But if you need it, it's a pretty easy policy shift and poop, uh, you know, there's IE11 available as necessary. But uh, I do appreciate the idea that I could lock IE11 down in an enterprise environment so that it's only used for the apps that require it. Absolutely right. Yep. Uh, So there's two ways to look at this. One is as a consumer and one is as an end user within a larger organization Mm -hmm. like an enterprise customer. For consumers, we still support a compatibility view list. This is a a list that Microsoft hosts, and it has a list of public-facing websites and web services that still require IE11. Uh, If you're curious about the list, you can type in about colon compats uh, into IE11 or Microsoft Edge. Uh, And you'll see the Microsoft hosted compatibility view list, as well as an enterprise mode site list if you have one in your organization. So what this shows is a list of sites worldwide that still require ActiveX controls or still require Internet Explorer for, for one reason or another. Most of these sites, you know, again, we're talking about the consumer experience. Most of these sites are you know, sites in places like Korea or Brazil that still require ActiveX uh, right. for PKI. Heck, but I, I see Bank of Montreal. I mean, I'm a Canadian, and there's Bank of Montreal. There are still a few sites in there that, that do require Internet Explorer, you know, like I said, primarily for ActiveX controls. Right. But we are working with those developers, and we're trying to get them to adopt modern standards. Now, obviously, 
the experience for most consumers is that they're using Microsoft Edge as their default browser. Mm -hmm. And if they encounter a site that's on this list, they'll be prompted, do you want to switch to Internet Explorer? Obviously, what we're trying to avoid is a a site that has a drive-by exploit that automatically switches you from a much safer, faster browser environment to Internet Explorer 11 and then, you know, possibly infects your machine. So we want to give consumers that choice of do you want to be able to switch? For enterprise customers, it's a little bit different because you can establish through group policy not only to switch from Microsoft Edge to IE 11 for the sites that are on your enterprise mode site list, but also there's a new policy in Windows 10 anniversary update, and it's an Internet Explorer 11 policy. I should clarify, it's not a Microsoft Edge policy. Mm -hmm. There's an Internet Explorer policy on the computer and user sides that can limit the use of Internet Explorer just to sites that are on your enterprise mode site list. Interesting. Yeah, so the exciting thing here is it's essentially least privileged browsing because you can define in an organization that Microsoft Edge is your default browser and users will only be switched automatically to Internet Explorer 11 for the sites that you've approved, for the sites that are on your enterprise mode site list. Essentially, treat it like a whitelist. And then uh, for any other site that they type in or click on to go to Internet Explorer 11, they'll be automatically switched back to Microsoft Edge. Interesting. So they're in the, yeah, so there's nothing they need to know, nothing they need to do. They'll stay in the safer, more compatible with public sites browser until they hit a site that, that's on your whitelist, and then they're automatically switched to IE11 just for those sites. So they don't have to do anything. It's literally going to switch them back and forth. Yes, exactly right. That's really cool. And is that the, the main thing in enterprise mode? Because it seems like there's a lot of other features here too. Yeah, the easiest way to think about enterprise mode is we had customers who approached us a few years ago and said, IE11 is great, but it's not compatible with this application that I, I wrote for IE8 or IE7 or IE5, right. you know, some older version of Internet Explorer. So we offered enterprise mode as a way to not only have a higher fidelity emulation for older versions of Internet Explorer, mm -hmm. but also force a site to run in a particular document mode. Remember, you know, 20 years of Internet Explorer means there are lots of sites out there that were written for older versions. Under the hood of IE11, we have document modes for IE5, IE7, IE8, IE9, IE10, IE11. And then we have two high-fidelity emulation uh, called IE8 Enterprise Mode and IE7 Enterprise Mode. The reason we wanted to give IT pros this power is that before this, it really took a developer to upgrade a site before you upgraded Internet Explorer. Right. I had some customers tell me that they were hoping to retire before they had to do their next Internet Explorer upgrade. <laughs> and and so what we accomplished in enterprise mode was was pretty tremendous. And I, I have to, you know, I have to extend uh, my thanks to all of the customers who helped us test this and gave us feedback for it. Because we went from a concept to a published feature in about six months. Wow. Uh, which is, as you know, record time within Microsoft. Not easy. But we had we had 90 customers in our pilot program. We, we had an amazing amount of feedback from customers. We even now support vertical languages. So we, we fixed how IE11 was rendering Japanese, Korean, and Chinese for customers who were using vertical languages. Wow. Yeah, so the good news is, in Internet Explorer 11, under the hood, you have all of these document modes, and you can use enterprise mode to force a site or even a web page 
into a particular document mode. Uh, we even now have port number support. So if you have multiple applications that are hosted on the same server, you can even have different document modes for different port numbers. So not just the URL itself, but its individual port can have a, Absolutely. A, be assigned to a particular document mode. And, and I mean, normally when you see this in IE, it's the compatibility mode, right? Or compatibility view settings. Yeah, this is confusing. So mm. I, let's explain compatibility view. When we shipped IE7, and this is going back a ways, but yeah. when we shipped Internet Explorer 7, we knew that there were a number of websites that had been written using IE5 or IE6 standards. So we included in IE7 something called IE5 or Quirks document mode. Right. And then when we shipped Internet Explorer 8, remember these were when, when multiple years had passed. So lots of applications written in the intervening time. When we shipped Internet Explorer 8, we knew that there were lots of sites out there that either ran in IE7 document mode or they required this older IE5, more of a hybrid IE5.5 document mode. So when we shipped IE8, we shipped Internet Explorer 8 with a feature called Compatibility View. Compatibility View basically was a switch. If a site had a valid doc type in the header, it got IE7 doc mode. If there was no valid doc type, because doc type was a relatively recent invention, uh, if there was no valid doc type, the page would be rendered in IE5 document mode. Right. So the net of, of compatibility view is it's a switch. You either get IE7 doc mode or IE5 doc mode. And so many web applications were written to use these older versions of Internet Explorer that we thought it would be a good idea uh, after talking with customers to set the intranet standard to run in compatibility view. Mm -hmm. So there's a setting and there are some group policies to run your all intranet sites using this compatibility view, which again, gives you either IE7 or IE5 doc mode. So we kept compatibility view the same over the years. So in IE9, we still had IE8 document mode plus compatibility view plus IE7 and IE5. In IE10, we had compatibility view. And in IE11, we had compatibility view. The biggest change we made to the UI was at some point we removed the little broken page icon because one of the top support desk help calls was help, I, I've stepped on something and somehow my, my website isn't rendering right. And we found that people were accidentally clicking on that little broken page icon and setting uh, a website into compatibility view. <laughs> yeah. And, and this was something that, that even stayed through upgrades. So if you clicked on the broken page icon in IE9 and then upgraded to IE10 and then IE11. It was still broken. Yeah, it was still broken. Yeah. Um, I, I actually sat down with the CEO of a very large company one time who said, I can't upload files or, or uh, I can't upload pictures to Facebook. And we found out that he was running Facebook in compatibility view, which was giving him IE7 document mode. <laughs> yeah, should, and exactly. for the average person, this is just beyond their comprehension, right? Like this is stuff we, we don't want the average user to ever touch. Precisely right. That's why one of the premises we had in testing enterprise mode was there's nothing the user should do. There's nothing the user should know. Once we've configured a site or a web application or a web path to run in a particular document mode, it should just always run in that mode. Yeah. Fred, why is there not an IE6 uh, compatibility mode in IE11? That's a great question. Um, I don't know the, the hit full history there. Mm -hmm. I was a customer uh, at the time myself. But my understanding is that between IE5 and IE6, 
there were so many proprietary standards going into the browser mm -hmm. that this quirks mode that we have or IE5 document mode is more of a hybrid. It's it's it actually handles a lot of IE6 era sites as well. So I mean the theory and not that I find a lot of people any, still having stuff that old anymore. I mean it's literally more than 10 years ago. Or geez, 15 years ago? What IE6 was 2001. It's been a while, yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it just always seemed that that was a challenge, right? Is that we wanted to get rid of IE6. It's like if we could just run in a compatibility mode for IE6, it would go away. But I think it's pretty much dead now. It's IE7 and above that where I'm still finding some enterprises have dependency, typically in ActiveX controls for these old browser editions. It's mostly dead, but you'll still see some some applications that run using this IE5 uh, quirks mode. Wow. Uh, you know, so it's there are still some applications out there that were written for IE5 or IE6 that will run properly in this mode. Another filter to look through is what version of Internet Explorer was supported on what platforms? Right. IE6 shipped with Windows XP. Yes. So XP supported IE6, IE7 and IE8. Windows Vista supported IE uh, 7, 8, and 9. And Windows 7 supported IE 8, IE 9, IE 10, and IE 11. Right. So if you think about the Venn diagram, uh, IE 8 was a really sweet spot. Yep. There were a lot of customers who standardized on Internet Explorer 8 because if they could move to IE 8 on Windows XP, it would help ease their migration up to Windows Vista or Windows 7. For sure. That's exactly why we're keeping IE11 the same. There is no IE12. IE11 is the last major version of IE, but it will keep it consistent across Windows 7, Windows 8.1, and Windows 10. And the good news now is if you've upgraded to IE11 on Windows 7, you've effectively done some of your Windows 10 migration. Nice. Because you shouldn't have to test those applications again against Internet Explorer 11 uh, because it should behave the same. And you can exactly even the use the same enterprise mode site list on Windows 10, Windows 8.1, and Windows 7. Nice. Fred, give me one second here to pay the bills because this episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by UpGuard. In the aftermath of data breaches, the public is often told we couldn't have seen it coming. But in a lot of cases, that's just not true. Over 80% of breaches have their root in misconfiguration, whether it be a firewall rule, server setting, open port, or third-party service. UpGuard is the premier system of record for IT configurations. No matter the platform, pinpointing anomalies and surfacing unauthorized changes in critical systems around the world. See how it works and get a free live customized demo at upguard.com slash runasradio. Should we talk about some of the other enterprise mode features? I mean, obviously, the centralized control so that you can sort of have a standard way of what things run in IE 11 and what should be running in Edge. What about instrumentation? Well, there, there are two major features that enterprise mode brings to the table. One is defining which pages are rendered in which document mode. Right. The other is which browser is used for those pages. Right. We did create an extensible schema. This is a, a we call it a V2 schema mm -hmm. that makes it a little bit easier to manage. And if you've upgraded Internet Explorer 11 to the latest cumulative security update, anything after June 2016 should include this new schema. Okay. So the good news there is it's a little bit easier to read. Um, it's also something that's automatically created by the enterprise mode site list manager. Now, the, the Enterprise Mode Site List Manager is basically a standalone tool. Uh, you can download it. There are two versions now. There's one for the V1 schema that uses the old. Uh, there are a couple of different sections to the schema. The new schema is a little bit easier because it simply says, here's a web path. Here's the document mode that I want to open it in. And here's the browser that I wanted to use. Okay. 
So it's pretty straightforward. The Enterprise Mode Site List Manager is an easy standalone tool, but it does have some limitations. It's really designed for a single user. Right. When you use the Enterprise Mode Site List Manager, you can export to an XML file, which becomes your Enterprise Mode Site List. And the location of that list is what you define in Group Policy or Registry Key in both Internet Explorer and Microsoft Edge. So you can point both Internet Explorer 11 and Microsoft Edge to the same enterprise mode site list. Nice. As a best practice, we suggest sharing it out as a URL um, versus sharing it on a file. You, you could use a local file. You could use DFS. You can share it any way you like. But the trade-off is if you end up with an enterprise mode site list that's very large, you have to download the entire file before it can do a comparison of just simply the uh, version number that's in the header. So... What we recommend is that you share it out as a URL. If you share it as a URL, then it just downloads the header and is able to compare the version numbers very easily that way. And then it only grabs it if it knows there's a change. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a big deal if you have a few hundred entries, but for customers who have a few thousand entries, uh, it's probably worth sharing out uh, either on an intranet or an extranet. A thousand entries. Wow. Just trying to imagine how many sites you're dependent on that are in compatibility requirements. They get to thousands of entries. Yeah, we do have one customer who said uh, just for testing purposes, they put their entire intranet of 18,000 sites wow. in the enterprise mode site list. Who has 18,000 sites? My goodness. Well, the good news is coming from IE8, where all 18,000 sites work properly, they were able to put everything in the enterprise mode site list and everything worked properly. Nice. Of course, that's not a best practice um, because you want to use the latest document mode because it's going to be faster. Yep. Uh, it's going to be more secure. And if you can run the site in Microsoft Edge, uh, it's going to be even more secure. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it. I guess you start with the 18,000 just so you know you're across, uh, implement this policy across everyone, and then you've got to start working your way through all of those apps to sort of check them for how they're going to behave in, in Edge or in higher compatibility modes. And that's a great segue to another feature called Enterprise Site Discovery. Mm. Enterprise Site Discovery is basically some telemetry hooks that are in IE8, IE9, IE10, and IE11. They're turned off by defaults, but if you choose to turn these on, um, and there's a an Enterprise Site Discovery toolkit that you can download that contains some PowerShell scripts and some group policies uh, that you can use to turn this on. But if you choose to enable this, it will collect information about the sites that your users visit. Uh, such as what site was visited, what document mode was used, what ActiveX controls were instantiated, uh, did the site crash, did the site uh, freeze in some way. And this can help. We, we call it enterprise site discovery for a reason. It's mm -hmm. not a full inventory. You know, we're not crawling your, your, uh, your organization, but we are discovering more about what your users are actually doing. Now, of course, we, we recommend following the local privacy practices in your area. Uh, it is turned off by default. Right. If you choose to turn it on, you can scope it just to an intranet or you can scope it to a set of particular sites. But it can give you very useful information about your web environment. Uh, just a moment ago, I, I said that there was a customer who had a list of 18,000 sites. Yeah. They're, they're the exception. The fact that they have that list, right? Exactly. Most customers over the years don't know what web applications or what websites are actually in use in their environment. I totally agree. 
even running this within Microsoft, we found that there was a frequently used application that was hosted on a machine under somebody's desk. <laughs> of course. Of course exactly. there is. Yeah. So, so this can help an organization learn more about their environment, including even uh, how many versions of Java Runtime Engine are in use. Sure, yeah. You know, there, there are some customers who have said, yeah, thanks to this feature, we now know that there are 12 versions that are in regular use in our environment. Yeah. And now we have a project to reduce that down to a more manageable number. How does enterprise site discovery feed that data back to the operators? No, that's a great question. So so there's two ways. One is it can create a local XML file, and then you can just pick it up and manage it to your heart's content. Mm -hmm. The other way is it, it can collect the information using WMI. Right. There are a couple of sample queries that are included in the Enterprise Site Discovery Toolkit uh, for System Center Configuration Manager. Nice. Yeah, so you can use SCCM and just add it to your regular hardware and software inventory. Right, so that will push it out to all of the desktops. And pull it pull it from the desktops into a central database where mm -hmm. you can then uh, write your own queries against it. Nice. There's another, uh, another version of this that's now available, and that's through Upgrade Analytics. If you use Upgrade Analytics to assess your environment for Windows 10, you can now turn on site discovery and learn the same kind of information from Internet Explorer uh, that you can from Windows. Oh, interesting. Okay, so just part of the Windows Upgrade Analytics services would include these are the sites internally that your, your organization is using. Yes, absolutely. So it, it can help you assess your environment and find out what sites are actually being used in what uh, document mode. So that can help you build your enterprise mode site list and, and help you manage your web applications a little bit better as well. It's so interesting because, it, it, I mean, a lot of organizations just don't know, like, irrespective of the upgrade, and I get what your intent for it being Microsoft, to collect this telemetry just about my organization, I'm going to know a lot more about, you know, who's doing what and what they're dependent on when they do it. Yeah, this can help you uh, identify some dependencies in your organization so you can see what your what your attack surface really is. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. How many versions of Java are you using? What do you have applications that use Flash? Do you have applications that use Silverlight? Yeah. And what versions? Yeah, poor old Silverlight, you know, for, especially inside of enterprises was such a powerful tool for building internal apps that were really easy to roll out. You know, just the plug-in model has gone away. There's some good news, though, and, and the good news is obviously upgrading web applications to modern standards is the best long-term solution, sure. but you can leverage backward compatibility and upgrade on your own schedule. Mm -hmm. And again, that's that's why architecturally what we decided to do was keep IE11 consistent so that you can continue to use IE11, fall back to IE11 for the sites that need Silverlight or Java or, or ActiveX. And you can still uh, use Microsoft Edge as your default browser for much safer, faster browsing. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a really interesting combination. And and yeah, the the fact that you now have these apps in a neat can where they're still running in IE eleven, you know what they are, who's using them, how frequently they're used. I mean, I presume all that telemetry is available here. Uh, when, when gathered with uh, the site discovery service. Yes, if if you choose to turn it on. Yes. Yeah, but you know, ultimately for me. Uh, the, the amount of time we've spent just inventorying applications within an organization of any size and maturity, and, and then when you throw in web apps around this, like this, it's a whole other class of, of tracking problem. So, you know, then you can actually work on what are the largest ones? What, what are the most used? So they could get into this idea of, you know, we, we reduce this attack surface or these risk factors 
the most by starting with this application and then this application and then this one. So you could actually make a plan to to get away from that attack service entirely. That's right. There are a couple of IT showcase white papers that talk about how Microsoft manages its apps, both mm-hmm. Windows x86 apps and web applications. And and frequency of use is certainly one factor. Sure. Uh, but one thing I always like to give it as an example is there are going to be some critical applications that really don't get used that often. Right. Uh, when I used to do ERP deployments, for example, we had accountants who would only run uh, quarter-end functions four times a year or year-end functions once a year. Yeah. But if those don't work, it's a showstopper. So, you know, so it may be worth looking, if you're curious about, uh, you know, the methodology that Microsoft uses, it may be worth looking at these uh, IT showcase white papers on, on Microsoft IT. Yeah, no, I'd love to get uh, links to those white papers so folks can have a, a, a read and just sort of get into the groove of uh, this particular set of problems. But uh, yeah, I feel like I might have to run site discovery for a year to really have some confidence that I've seen everything. And and again, you may not have seen everything, but yes, that's the idea is to to build a data driven view of your web environment. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting idea, and it speaks to you know us just trying to get a handle on what people are doing day in day out on on all of these machines and what dependencies we actually have. Uh, Fred, such a fun conversation. I mean, I know we re- in theory we're talking about good old IE and when to use Edge, but really it speaks to the fact that our enterprises are highly dependent on web technologies that it, some of which are pretty archaic and we we need to know what they are and and when we need to when and want want to move them that's right um there are many customers that i talk to that say the web application owners don't get their sites put on the enterprise mode site list unless they have a plan to come off of the list interesting yeah, so there are a lot of, of customers that are aggressively going after modern standards, but the good news is you've you've got some time. Yeah, no, and it, and and I appreciate that you've you've wrapped this up in a way that it's going to mitigate a certain amount of harm, certainly, and it's, it's still in a supported state. I think that's the thing that most people are afraid of is I'm, you know, running VMs or some kind of virtual desktop to keep a copy of of XP still running IE seven. You know, they just to make that app work, that to me is terrifying. I'd much rather do this with a night, a, a completely up to date and fully patched OS, a, a maintained version of the browser and, and, but only running it where it's needed. Yeah, I think over time, uh, in a few years, Internet Explorer 11 will be relegated to supporting line of business applications. You, sure. you think about some older technologies, um, Fox Pro, you know, that, that may still be out there. They yep. may be supporting applications, uh, but, uh, you know, and they're not being used for new development in general. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, you know, it's funny how often those things still crop up. But, yeah, it's remarkable the longevity of some of the software. Uh, Fred Poland, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. Mm-hmm.